0: G'day, and welcome to Perco's Podcast, a podcast all about strategy,
1: leadership, and soul care. We're here to help you obtain your personal, professional, and spiritual goals without losing your soul. We hope that today's episode is refreshing and
0: gives you a new perspective. Now, here's your host, Jason Perkins.
1: G'day, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of Perco's Podcast. It is a special episode today soul care at Christmas time. In fact, today we're doing something very different. I won't be interviewing a guest. In fact, a previous guest of the podcast, my good friend Duncan Banks, all the way from London, England, who was my guest on episode four of the podcast when we first began. He is taking the host seat today and he's going to be asking me some questions about how do we care for our soul during one of the busiest and maybe even most stressful times of the year, which is Christmas. So, I'm super excited because Duncan is a lot of fun and although he does ask me a number of questions throughout the conversation, Duncan actually shares some of his own personal insights and his own personal experiences from years of being a leader and having to care for his soul over the holiday season. So, I think you're actually going to learn just as much from Duncan as you might be able to glean from my answers to his questions. But we also have some real fun along the way, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, if you're brand new to the podcast, I just want to encourage you to head over to my website if you haven't already done so, so that you can sign up for our regular emails that we send out. My website is jasonperkoperkins.com, and you can sign up for our email newsletter right there. We love sending out information to help you care for your soul, but also notifications to let you know when we've released a brand new podcast. Well, without any further ado, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and let you know that to prepare you for the new year, I have a special episode of the podcast coming out right after Christmas with my good friend, Sadara. Sidara was on the podcast early on as well, episode seven. And in this episode to prepare for the new year, I actually walk Sidara through a tool that helps leaders to create what's referred to as a life manifesto or maybe a dashboard for life. It was like a live coaching call with Sid, and it is a great way to help you focus on who you want to become in the new year and less on what you need to get done. So many of us in the new year, we set goals where we're focused on what we want to get done, but this particular tool helps you to focus on who you want to become. I love how Craig Groeschel describes it. He says it this way, focus on the who, not the do. So be on the lookout for that episode releasing right before the new year. And let me know if you would like some help working on your own life manifesto for the new year. I'd love to be able to help you out with that. The best way to connect with me is through the link in my Instagram bio. Again, my Insta handle is at Jason Perko Perkins, and I'd love to help you discover who you want to become in the new year. Well, without any further ado, here is my conversation, soul care for the holidays with my good friend, Duncan Banks. Enjoy. Merry Christmas, Duncan. Welcome to Perko's podcast. So good to see you, mate. I love hey. love hanging out with you, mate. And this is a special edition of the podcast. I'm I'm stoked about what we're about to do. How are you doing, though, before we dive in? How's things going in the UK preparing for Christmas?
0: Mate, we're just deciding how early is it? Or is it good enough to put the tree up now? I mean, it's actually, you know, it's it's, it's a difficult decision to make, you know, should you, is it, when do you, when do you put your tree up? So in our family, it's all very, it's all very Christmassy, but we're not sure whether we're going too early with the Christmas tree and the decorations.
1: Yeah. Well, we, we've always gauged it, Duncan. I say always, my wife and I have been married for 22 years this month, actually, we're celebrating 22 years. And, um, We've spent many of those years, 17, 18 of those years living in the United States, and they celebrate this thing called Thanksgiving. So as dual citizens, we still celebrate, even though we live in Australia now, we celebrate Thanksgiving. And that's always been the marker for us. Thanksgiving is at the end of November, and my wife would always hold out. Until after Thanksgiving to put up the Christmas decorations. So, around the first of December, basically, or late November is when Christmas decorations go up in our place. So, that's it's it's gotta be December. Say that again.
0: It's it's gotta be December. If it doesn't come in, you know, you can't put your decorations up before December. You've gotta put it up in the month of Christmas. I know for my mum, when I was growing up, she was always panicky about um, making sure food was cooked properly. So you could, never, you could never stab a carrot. She would cook it so all the goodness would come out into the water. So she, it would just be mush, you know, because she thought you had to cook everything. So she, her, her cue for starting Christmas dinner was, was basically Halloween. Halloween? Yeah. That's when she would put the Brussels sprouts on ready for Christmas yeah. day, you know, it's yeah, it yeah. crazy, really.
1: Well, Duncan, we're hey, doing something I'm- special, mate. You are taking over the podcast. This is unusual. I normally interview guests, including you. You were on the podcast at the very beginning, one of the early episodes. Um, but today, Duncan, you are the host, and you're going to be asking me some questions. I believe around soul care and the holidays because we're getting ready for Christmas. So, fire away, mate! It is over to you. Do whatever you like. Oh,
0: thanks, Jace. I'm so excited about this. I really am. I've been I've been looking forward to it for ages. I've been telling all my friends about the fact that I'm getting to actually ask. Questions of Jason. I mean, he spends all his time on Perco's podcast, you know, picking away at other people and asking them the tough questions. And I've seen some of the guests who push back from the microphone and think, oh man, that's a tough question. Well, I'm hoping I can ask you those questions. Because I know for those of us, especially those of us in church leadership, uh, time off over Christmas from work can often be time off from reality and time off from our relationship with the Father as well. So um, so I'm really interested to know how you navigate Christmas. But before I get into that, give it, paint a picture. I mean, I've got this idea of you and Kristen and the kids. I've got this idea of kind of like a Hollywood um, schmaltzy movie scene for you at Christmas. What's, what's the Perkins traditions when it comes to Christmas? Paint me a picture of um, a traditional Perkins uh, Christmas.
1: So for us, Duncan, it starts on Christmas Eve. We, um, we're big fans of celebrating Christmas in a big way beginning on Christmas Eve. So we always, every year, we do Chinese takeout
0: for nice. Christmas
1: Eve dinner. And we oftentimes have a lot of people over. In fact, when I was in full-time uh, leadership role at a church, we would have our entire staff over after multiple services leading up to Christmas. We'd have sometimes five or six services on Christmas Eve. Uh, sometimes even Christmas Adam, as we called it, because Adam came before Eve. So the 24th, (laughs) and so we'd wrap up on Christmas Eve, one of the final services, all head to our place, eat Chinese takeout and uh, open at least one present on Christmas Eve. That's pretty traditional for us. And then Christmas morning, big brunch is kind of our go-to. I have a pair of flannel pajamas, Duncan, that I've worn for probably nearly 20 years now, they only come out on Christmas morning, and I wear those um, to read the Christmas story, open the presents with the kids. Um, but here in Australia now, one of our new traditions is we head to the beach uh, because it's so warm at Christmas time. Um, we decide to have brunch and then spend the spend the afternoon at the beach. So those are some of our traditions on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. So, yeah. Uh,
0: now I've got the picture in my mind. I've got the picture of you in these, are they red flannel yes. pajamas? They are yeah. red
1: check. Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, And
0: if, they're, yeah. if you've been wearing them every year for 20 years, they're about ready for a wash, I would imagine now, Jason. <laughs> but but um, I've just got this picture of you, topless, sat with these flannel pajamas, reading the christmas story the kids are saying dad put the bible down i just want to open my presents
1: so i've got i've got the whole picture i can see it now it's great that's it that's exactly (laughs) what it is without the topless but yes still still (laughs) the the whole picture i'm glad that's in your mind's eye not mine
0: so i'm so glad that you talked about reading the christmas story i mentioned that in a talk one year at our church years and years ago Uh, that we as a a family will just find a moment to light a candle and I'll read, or one of the kids as they grew up read the Christmas story. And it was very brief and very simple, but very poignant around the Christmas time. And uh, I was amazed at how many people, even today will still say that's become part of our family tradition, just a simple little way of making sure Jesus stays front row center in the, in the celebrations. So sure. we, We love the tinsel and the, and the unwrapping of the presents and the mulled wine and the mince pies. Of course, we love all that. But, and it's really hard sometimes to find a way of keeping your eyes fixed on the savior. <laughs> but that little reading of the story, the family get together, the television screen goes off and it just feels real. So I'm so glad you, you talked about that, it's fantastic. Hey, Jason, I've got a bunch of questions I want to ask you. I know, because I've known you now for three or four years, and I'm an avid listener of the podcast, I know that you've managed to weave some rhythms into your life to help you with soul care. Otherwise, caring for your soul gets neglected unless you get disciplined, unless you build some rhythms into your life. And you've talked about those on the podcast before. But in my experience in church leadership and in life in general, like I said before, time off at Christmas can feel like time off from God. Mm. So, so when, you know, there's endless rounds of parties to go to, uh, how do you keep your soul care routines going? I mean, the family are around people are staying up late getting up early sleeping in different parts of the house they're all you know, sleeping in the lounge. And how do you find space and find time to keep your r- routines going?
1: Yeah. Well, Duncan, I think there's a couple of things that are really important. I think the first thing that I would say, especially to those that are in church leadership or in some sort of vocational ministry your relationship with God prior to the, to the Christmas season has to be separated from the work that you do at the church. So if you're, if you're only spending time with Jesus in preparation for a message that you have to preach or a staff meeting that you have to lead, or if your time with Jesus is always connected to something you're doing vocationally, that's going to be problematic not just in the Christmas season, but long-term in every season. I think that you've got to separate those two things. And I know for me, Duncan, for many years in ministry, my time with Jesus outside of what I was doing vocationally was incredibly limited. Yeah. I would spend a lot of time, you know, preparing for messages or getting ready for a staff meeting or speaking at a conference or a camp. But outside of that, my time with Jesus was incredibly limited and I just had it completely out of whack where my doing for Jesus was far outpacing my being with Jesus. And ultimately, that led me to really hitting a wall when it came to my relationship with God, because I, I wasn't allowing all that I was doing for Jesus to flow out of my being with him. So I would just say, first off, Duncan, you got to separate those two things. And that, that goes for people that are in vocational ministry, maybe not as as primary for people that are not in vocational ministry. See that?
0: Yeah. Hang on. Let's back the truck up a bit here because there's a, there's an ouch here. What I do for Jesus oftentimes trumps just being with Jesus. That's kind of what you said. And and I think as you say that, whether you're in full-time church ministry or you volunteer at your local church, I'm telling you that that's an ouch right there. Because oftentimes we feel like, you know, I do so much for the church. I do so much for Jesus. You know, I've got God and church around me all the time. And, uh, and, and and it's almost as if God is leaning over the balcony of heaven saying, you're my precious child. I just want to hang with you. You don't have to do anything. That's it. Can can you put the stuff down? Can we just walk on the beach? Can we just talk? Yeah. and so um yeah, so i I think Christmas is a wonderful time to rather than seeing it as a time off, but a time on to rebuild and reframe and refresh this vibrant relationship with yeah with God. So how do you keep the routines going that you have yeah. through the rest of the year?
1: so so separating those two things means then if I'm in vocational ministry or not in vocational ministry and and Christmas season comes. Those rhythms or practices that you have that allow you to sit at the feet of Jesus more than just doing things for Jesus, they may be interrupted as far as the consistency of the rhythm or the timing of those rhythms. For example, I I honestly don't know, Duncan, when Christmas lands, like I'm not sure what day of the week it is this year, but some years it lands on a a Saturday, which for us as a family, we, we practice a thing called Sabbath from Friday evening around six o'clock through to Saturday night. And, and so, you know, sometimes your Sabbath rhythm will be maybe uh, conflicted because people coming into town and you've got to host people and all of a sudden it's not as restful. So here's what I would say is not just Sabbath rhythm, but other rhythms in general, I would encourage you to be flexible with those, but not abandon them. I think that's that's the key. So, yeah, pick a different day or maybe at the, the end of, you know, a busy season where you had a lot of parties back to back to back or a lot of obligations back to back to back. Take a half a day and just Sabbath in the middle of the week if you've got the time off or or maybe Sabbath on a Sunday or in a different day or even just change the, the amount of time that you pause just to be with Jesus. Um, maybe you can't do an entire 24 hours. Maybe you can only do eight hours or 12 hours or something. But my my encouragement would be be flexible, but don't abandon them. And I think, you know, Duncan, so oftentimes I would come back after the Christmas season back to work. And you know, the old adage, like, I've been on holidays, but I need a holiday from my holiday. <laughs> like that's that's how I would come back at the beginning of maybe a ministry year in January, because I had abandoned my rhythms instead of being flexible with them. And so I just, yeah, I would highly encourage people be flexible, but don't abandon your rhythms over this season.
0: So let me ask you, because again, this is just a personal question. I mean, if anyone listens to this, great, but this feels like me talking to my mate and wanting to learn, but you talked about sitting at the feet of Jesus and my mind goes straight to the whole Mary and Martha story. You know, one was busy, one sat at the, can you imagine Can you just imagine for a moment what it must have been like to sit around his feet and to look up into his eyes and Mm. to listen to him speak? Wow. Yeah. How how do you do that? Jason Perkins. I want some of that in my life and I struggle to connect in that way. How do you sit at the feet of Jesus, whether it's Christmas Easter or anywhere in between?
1: Yeah. I think I've shared this with you before Duncan. And uh, for those that maybe listen to the podcast, you might've heard this before, but I think God has given us this beautiful thing called an imagination and it's unique to us as human beings. We have this ability to think about our thoughts and we can almost put ourselves outside of the scenario and be able to watch ourselves in like a movie set. Almost. We have this incredible ability. And so for me, Duncan, one of the things I do And I do this on a regular basis every morning, definitely. But even I pause a couple of times throughout the day as well, is I pause and I sit and I imagine, I literally imagine, Duncan, in my mind's eye, Jesus sitting with me in the morning. So sometimes that looks like a cup of tea with my Bible or just a cup of tea with my journal. And I just imagine that I'm there to listen. To Jesus, who has been waiting up all night for me, or if it's in the middle of the day, I have a I have a pond in my neighborhood that I go to regularly. Um, throughout the day, I just pause from my work and um, I go sit on a bench down by the pond, and I imagine Jesus sitting on the bench with me. So we have this incredible, incredible ability to imagine. And I know for some people that are listening to this, because this is my story for so many years, that sounds a little bit weird. It sounds mystical. It sounds a bit bizarre. And I would have said five years ago, Duncan, I would have said, man, that guy's, he's kind of lost the plot if he's sitting there on a park bench imagining. But here's the genius of Christmas. This is the genius of Christmas. We are celebrating, Duncan, the moment when God showed how much he loved the world, that he left the glories of heaven to be with us. We use that word Emmanuel at Christmas time. We'll probably, we'll probably all sing this word Emmanuel at some point in a Christmas carol throughout the season. And it literally means that God is with us. And I think that that is a special, special thing that we celebrate at this season. But I think it's one of those things that we can carry with us through every season on any park bench, on any couch, on any dining room table, wherever it is, you can imagine Jesus literally with you because of Christmas.
0: I love that. I mean, you you can imagine that, you know, what would it look like if Jesus was actually with me now, wherever I am and, you know, poor old Rob Bell, I think sometimes gets a, a worse press than he deserves. You know, the <laughs> author Rob Bell, yeah. and he has said some things right out there and I don't agree with everything that he says, but when he talked about everything being spiritual, that was a game changer for me. Because I had compartmentalized God into singing Christian songs, sitting in church for an hour on Sunday morning, going to my small group. That's where God lived and where God showed up the rest of the time when I played football or I watched TV or I was intimate with my family and with my wife. God was not involved in those kind of things. But what if everything was spiritual? What if God was everywhere? You know, if you went to Jesus and you said to Jesus, how's your spiritual life? Jesus would say, I have no clue what you're talking about. Because there was no word for spiritual. Everything was spiritual. Yes. Yes. You know, we cut, ch- chop stuff up. So I think, you know, yes, it's important to go to the pond and have ponder time and yeah. imagine Jesus sat, sat on the bench. But you can do it in traffic. That's it. You can be sat in your car at a stoplight and you can be thinking, Jesus is here with me now. You know, imagine that. Let's have a conversation with him. And the conversation changes, doesn't it? You know, yeah. it really does. Yeah. Let, let me just throw this in because... This was a game changer. For, again, a game changer for me. You know, oh, Jason, this, <laughs> David in the Psalms, in Psalm 27, David says, one thing I want from you, God. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, this sounds a bit more like the Banksy podcast than the Perkins no, podcast. No, 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 it's good. I just, one thing, I, and if, you know, if you had a chance to ask God for one thing, you know, and David said, the one thing I want, I just want to be in your house. Yeah. Because if I hang around your house, I'll get to see how beautiful you are. Yeah. You know. And, you know, as well as I know that w- David, just like you and me, had a hundred questions he wanted to ask God for answer. Yeah. But he said, no, no, forget the questions. I just want to be with you. Yeah. And yeah. then five chapters later in, in, in Psalm 32, God says, all right, I will direct your path. And this is how I'm going to do it by keeping my loving eye on you. Yeah. So God will direct us and He does it by so if God d- will direct your life by keeping His eye on you, you better be seeking His face.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And I've spent too long, Jason, it's confession time. Wow. I've spent too long seeking his hands. Yeah. And not yeah. long enough seeking his face. I've been seeking the hands saying, Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want answers. Yeah. And God says, Do you want do you, do you want me for my yeah, you know, you've got a passion from for my personal, or just do you want my plan? Do you want my yeah. answer? Is that all you're interested in? Yeah, and you know we treat God like some kind of cosmic Google. So I just think it, it, finding pond time or traffic yeah. time and imagining yes. Jesus sitting at His feet all the time because everything is spiritual. Oh, I'm sorry, I got off on a bit of a preacher's rant there, but it's it's a personal
1: thing, really. Yeah, well, and I think this is the this is the theme of Christmas, Duncan, that God. Wants to be with us. And then he promised that he would never leave us. He would never forsake us. But most of the time, Duncan, I spend many of my waking hours unaware of his presence. It's not that his presence isn't there. He is with me. But I'm just distracted by the things I need to get done or the thing that I want to watch or whatever it is that's distracting me from the awareness of his presence. And I just think that during the holiday season, Being flexible, but not abandoning the rhythms that keep bringing you back to that awareness, keep bringing you back to his feet. I think that's the key in the holidays for taking care of your soul. Don't abandon them, but be flexible.
0: Be flexible with them. And and that's a huge thought, isn't it? I mean, you know, if Star Trek was real and you and I could get beamed up to heaven, you'd think, wow, we'd be so close to God. But actually, God is already with us. We don't need to get beamed up to heaven. There'd be a few less distractions. Sure. Yes. But he's already here. We don't need Scotty to beam us up to heaven, you know, because that—that the God of heaven is with us. That's what Christmas is. I love that. It's great. Hey, listen, I'm going to push this conversation on because the other thing I struggle with at Christmas, and I'd love to get your take on this, is (laughs) just extended. That sounds awful, doesn't it? I hope no one else listens to this than knows me. (laughs) But it's that extended time with the family.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: I mean, I love my family, but you're suddenly – pushed together for days on end. There's no respite. There's no relief. And I don't know what it's like in Australia, but for year after year, after year, um, I've got a friend in my church, who's a divorce lawyer. And um, and he says his busiest time is January, February, March, the, yeah. the divorce rates, the separation rates go up, you know, because people are forced to be together at Christmas for five or six days and they realize they can't hack it anymore. Yeah. You know, had it I, you know what it's like? The in-laws are around, they're poking their nose in, your business. I can remember my, I was on a, a Zoom call like this one Christmas and my dad who's 88. He comes in, he literally, he walks in and he's like, what are you doing here then? What's, what's this? What's this for here? And it was like, dad, go away. You know, and I had this blazing row with him on a, on a screen <laughs> over Christmas time. So, I mean, how do you deal with this, you know, this relational when, when, you know, mother-in-law is telling your missus how to cook the turkey and, you know, oh, I wouldn't do it like that. And and all the conflict rises and, oh, you know, how how do you deal with that? Cause that can be a a distraction and that can be painful and that can last for months beyond Christmas.
1: Yeah. Duncan, I've got, I've got horror stories. I've got my own scars from Christmas time when things went poorly because of people's comments about a meal or parenting techniques were different between one set of families and the others and the cousins don't behave all, all the things, Duncan, we've, I've experienced all those things as well. I, I think one of the big keys, Duncan, it has been helpful for me is I, I have some friends, Barry and Paula Davis, who they use this thing, they use this acronym, they call it FOOEY which is Family of Origin Impacts Everything. So F-O-O-I-E, Family of Origin Impacts Everything. So I found that my response to things, even around the holidays, oftentimes comes from FUI, Family of Origin Impacts Everything. And so I think one of the things that's been helpful for me around Christmas time, especially when we're getting our family of origin oftentimes together again after maybe long periods of not being together and sometimes we're, we're together for extended periods of time, one of the things that's been helpful is being aware of family of origin patterns and trends and things that oftentimes come up. So how your family of origin handled conflict Um, is a big one. Some families of origin, they avoid conflict. And so everyone just walks on eggshells at Christmas time, trying not to upset uncle so-and-so or grandma so-and-so. Or sometimes families of origin, they go straight in with conflict. And so they want to talk about it. They don't want to avoid it. So I think being aware of your family of origin and how you handled conflict, I think that's a really important thing. And then I've, I've found, Duncan, and you've, you've heard this before, that every conflict is a gap between what was expected and what was experienced. And so That's then you, you end up filling the gap. And you've heard Andy Stanley talk about this. We end up filling the gap between what was expected and what was experienced. So you talk about that, that incident with your father. You expected your father not to come into the Zoom call the way that he did and grab the microphone and all the, all the things that he did. But yet that's what you experienced and so what do i fill that gap with and so i think clarifying expectations is really really critical and i've come across this kind of four-step tool that has been helpful for me duncan in clarifying expectations and the four steps they're super simple the first step is just this it's making sure that the expectation is conscious meaning are people aware of it am i aware of the expectation are they aware of the expectation? Are we conscious of that? So that's the first thing. So when it comes to, I'll give you a practical example of that, Duncan. When it comes to the, the Christmas meal, is everyone aware of who's bringing what and whose kitchen are we doing it out of and who's going to be involved in the kitchen and who needs to stay out of the kitchen? Do we, do we set those expectations ahead of time and are they, are they aware of those? Are they a conscious expectation? Did you have a question, or did you?
0: No, I was just underlining that. I think I mean that that one thing alone is going to resolve so many conflicts, isn't so it? Many. You know, even just to be able to say, "Hey, hey, mom, last year, do you remember we had a bit of a fight because <laughs> of this, that, and the other?" I've got a brilliant way of making sure we don't do that. Just make sure that we do this instead. I yeah. think just clarifying yeah. that expectation—genius,
1: yeah. genius. So con- really make good. sure it's conscious. The second thing about an expectation is it's got to be realistic. So you can't you can't say to somebody like, "Hey, we expect you to do the entire meal for forty <laughs> people." Like that, that's yeah. just not realistic in the size kitchen that you have or the amount of time. So make it realistic. Like, "Hey, we're all going to pull our weight, but yet Aunt Sally is going to coordinate the whole thing." That's the expectation. We're making it conscious and we're going to make it realistic. And then you've got to actually you've got to actually communicate it, Duncan. This I know it sounds like. Oh, we've already communicated it because everyone's aware of it, but make sure that it's communicated. And then Duncan, this fourth one is the one that I've failed at so many times, not just at Christmas time, but in all relationships, when it comes to expectation, this is where I have failed. I'll acknowledge this is the point that I didn't drive home. Not only does it need to be conscious, not only does it need to be realistic and spoken, but it's got to be agreed to.
0: Because yes. I, can,
1: I can text the family and say, "Hey, this is what's happening." And then, you know we said we were eating at 3: 30, and, and Uncle Bob doesn't show up until five with his family, and we're all going like, "Where were you?" We sent the text. But Uncle Bob never said yes to the 3:30 start. He was at somebody else's house, and that's why he showed up at five. And so unless the expectation is finally agreed upon, it's really not an expectation until you get to that final stage. So those four things, Duncan, have been super helpful for me when it comes to not just Christmas expectations, but expectations in general. Make sure they're conscious, make sure they're realistic, they're spoken, they're communicated, and then they've got to be agreed upon or it's not a real expectation.
0: That's really helpful. Uh, I'm gonna steal that, and I'm gonna use that, and I'm gonna put it into my own family this Christmas. Because, like every family, I love being together with them, but especially the the grandparents. They've got their own little ways. So, you know, let me push you back a little bit to um to this idea of filling the gap. You know, do you fill it with trust or do you fill it with suspicion? Yeah. How do you? How can you be more positive? Because Oftentimes it's about you want people to fit into your way of doing things. How can you build relationships and, and look at what other people enjoy and what other people love and say, hey, grandpa, I don't like watching um, World War II black and white films, but I know you do. So on Tuesday, night, we're going to all sit down and watch it. I mean, how do you positively feed into um, building
1: relationships and building good things with people? Duncan, I think what you're talking about is this idea of exactly what Jesus did that we celebrate at Christmas time. We use this word within Christianity, this big word incarnation, which is essentially God coming and dwelling with us, coming and being with us. And, And so I think what you're referring to is this idea of empathy, of curiosity, of getting into grandpa's world. And being willing to be curious and listen, I think this is key to what you're talking about. So what does it look like for me to maybe design a Christmas experience around the the things that grandpa loves and around the things that the rest of the family love and not just have them fit into my mold of what Christmas should look like. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Duncan, we've got to get into their shoes We've got to get into their skin just like Jesus did when he came into the world. He got into our skin. He, he got put on flesh. He put on skin. I've got to get into grandpa's world in order for me to be able to do that. And I think the best way to do that is by asking great questions and being willing to listen. What are the things that grandpa loves? What are the things that he longs for at Christmas time? What would make Christmas special for him this particular season? I think Jesus set the example for us and allows us to follow that.
0: I never thought about it like that. I never thought about Christmas is all about incarnation. Jesus becoming one of us, God becoming a man, getting into our world. I never thought about it as that's a brilliant way of releasing tension at Christmas is that we get into Auntie Flo's world. We get into Brian's Uncle Frank's world. We get into Grandpa's world. And we ask questions and show interest and give them worth and value. I love mm. that because otherwise they just get forgotten about and put, put one side. I love Absolutely. that. That's so good. That's so good. So helpful. Listen, another confession. I want to move on from the family conflict thing. You've yeah, helped yeah. me a lot there. You've helped me a lot. It's really good. Give me some great tools. Another confession time. I know that at Christmas, <laughs> um, if I'm not careful, I can go back to being a kid again because <laughs> I loved Christmas as a kid, you know, and uh, you know, I can act child—not child, not child uh, childlike and, and fun, and frolicky—but childish and selfish. And uh, around Christmas, I kind of revert back to my ten-year-old self. How, how can I? You know, I, I'm a leader the rest of the time with my family, but it's—I can get selfish at Christmas and want it to be about me. How do I? No. How do I? How can I be more grown up at Christmas? Is what I'm trying to ask you. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Duncan, there's this, there's this concept that I've found to be really helpful. And the concept is this idea of differentiation. In, in some families, we talked about family of origin impacts everything just a moment ago. In some families, there was this idea of enmeshment, which means basically that if you towed the family line, then you were thought well of. So whatever the parents' values were, they were kind of passed on to the kids. And if you towed the line with those values, then you got rewarded or you, you know, you got thought well of, and that, you know, you didn't get into trouble. And, and as, as adults, we can find ourselves, especially at Christmas time, reverting back to that enmeshment sometimes if we're not yeah. careful. So we, we show up at, at Christmas dinner and all of a sudden mom walks in the door and all of the values that you grew up with You feel this weight, this burden, this responsibility to actually go along with everything that you grew up with. And yet as an adult, you don't necessarily hold the same values anymore. You have a spouse that came from a different family of origin. And so they have a different set of values. And you together perhaps have have created your own values as a family. And so I think it's really important for us to learn the art of differentiation meaning we can be our own person and be close relationally even though we may be far apart philosophically or ideologically and this is not just a family thing duncan i think this is just a a human thing of how do we differentiate ourselves from others but still remain close to them relationally so i can hold someone close Relationally and love them, even though we may be far apart philosophically or ideologically. And that takes, I think, an incredible amount of work to really find what are your values? What are the things that you value? Because what I found is at Christmas time, when you get around family, is sometimes your values can start to be stressed or even broken. And you end up reverting back to whatever the values were in your family of origin just to keep the peace. So for me, Duncan, it's, it's all about doing the work ahead of time of saying, who am I? I'm confident in that. I'm confident in who I am in Jesus. And that doesn't mean I have to change to be able to keep the peace at Christmas time.
0: I love that. Staying close relationally but differentiating yourself, maybe ideologically and philosophically yeah. from, from, I love that. Yeah. And it's quite a hard thing to do. I mean, yeah, certainly in, and I don't know whether this is right or wrong, but in our family, there are just certain things that we don't talk about. So I don't know, you you guys probably heard nothing about Brexit in Aus, in Australia, but we left <laughs> the European Union a few years ago and it was the biggest bombshell of a generation. And my dad voted to leave. Uh, whereas we all re- voted to remain in the European Union, and it's just a subject. If you talk to my dad about Brexit, it's like it's like setting a you know, setting light to a, a fire. He just goes mad, and it's unhelpful, and it all goes quiet afterwards. So it's just a subject we're ideologically completely different. I still love him. He's my he's my pop. Still love him. But so we just steer clear of talking about that, you know, if yeah. it comes on the TV, we, we switch it over and we just make sure if he says anything about it, we just say, yeah, dad. And we move. Cause he knows we think differently. I know he thinks differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, do you know the, the other thing? And I don't know whether, oh, talking about these, oh, this is a tough one. I've had quite a few um, families talk to me about their kids, their, te- and maybe you've not got there yet, but they're, they're older teenage kids who are sleeping with their boyfriends and girlfriends, mm. um, and uh, you know they, I was talking to one family just the other day, and they their their daughter has moved out and she's she's living with her boyfriend now. And of course, when they come back for Christmas, do you let them share a room?
1: I or think not. Yeah, I think Duncan, you're talking about the exact issue of differentiation. You're saying, hey, we we're values. We're solid on them. We know what our values are. And we're not saying that we're going to impose those on you when you're outside of our home. But when we're in our home, these are our values. But again, Duncan, this goes back to that setting of expectations, clarifying expectations long before the conversation happens in the home, sitting down with that child and letting them know we love you unconditionally. And we want to stay close to you relationally, even though ideologically and philosophically we might be far apart on certain issues, we are going to stay close relationally. And so I think setting those expectations before they come home is going to be the thing that sets you up for success, to be able to say to them, hey, you know our values, we're not reverting to somebody else's values, we're, we're holding ours, but we're also going to hold you close in relationship, even though we may be distant ideologically. I do think too, Duncan, one of the other things that is super helpful. I think it's important for us to really be willing to understand somebody else's point of view without having to push ours on them. If they have no interest in finding out where we're coming from philosophically on a different issue, that's, that's up to them. But I think I've learned over the years that when I'm curious And when I really want to discover and and even put myself into their shoes, I oftentimes find out that on an issue that I thought I was certain of, I have a completely different perspective when I get to know someone's story and the reason why they think the way they think on certain things. So I think that's a big part of this as well, Duncan, being willing to, to listen, to ask questions, to get their perspective, and even being open to change your mind on something that perhaps you held very strong views on.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's great. I mean, it, it feels like to me, it's, it's about preferring the relationship to preferring the rules.
1: Yeah. Cause they absolutely. know what the rules
0: are. Yeah. And if the rules break the relationship, if the rules push the relationship away, you're going to hate yourself forever.
1: Yeah. So absolutely. Uh, yeah,
0: I love that. Hey, listen, um, How do you help people who are lonely at Christmas? And and I asked that question, and I know it's changing tack a bit, but again, in the UK, we were locked down last Christmas. And with this Omicron variant, you know, Boris is trying to teach the whole world the Greek alphabet. So (laughs) we've got to Omicron so far. Um, So with this new variant that's around, there's loads of question marks in the UK about when we get to Christmas, are we going to be locked down again? But last Christmas, uh, there were so many stories in our country of, of elderly and young, uh, single people who were just locked indoors all on their own. Uh, and Christmas, thats a time that's supposed to be about family and supposed mm. to be about friendship and supposed to be about parties and togetherness became a really lonely, you know, lonely thing. So how do you not feel alone at Christmas for someone who is going to be on their own at Christmas? How do yeah. you not feel alone?
1: You know, Duncan, I know we keep going back to this this theme, but the theme of Christmas is God with us. And so even if I was stuck on a deserted island this Christmas, you know, maybe some people might refer to Australia as a deserted island with all (laughs) all the restrictions we've got going on with travel, but the frank reality is even if I was Tom Hanks on the deserted island with only Wilson, I also have God's presence with me because Emmanuel has come to be with us. And so I would encourage you, if you're feeling lonely, that would be the first thing, just the fact that Christ, his presence is with you and you can be with him and remind yourself of that. That's the first thing I would encourage you to to lean into is you aren't alone. His presence is with you. I would encourage you though, Duncan, though, to be creative, you know, our family, my wife and I both have family that are spread all over the world right now. China, Vietnam, the US, here in Australia, multiple countries around the world. And we have the power of technology, which has just given us so many creative ways to be able to be together with other people um, at Christmas time. So I would, I would really encourage you to lean in to the creativities of, of the technologies that we have available to you. But then the final thing I would encourage people to think about is if you're lonely during this season, what could you do to potentially reach out to other people that are lonely during this season? And together, you may find a warmth and a relationship during this season. So my wife this year has been um, quite, you know, quite not depressed, but quite discouraged around this season because our family are all overseas right now, specifically her family. And, um, and so this year she got creative. And so instead of Thanksgiving, we hosted a Friendsgiving. And uh, instead of it being on the Thursday that we would normally celebrate it in the U S we celebrated it on a Saturday and we had about 20 people into our house for a Friendsgiving this year. And I tell you, it was the most beautiful eight hours, Duncan, we started the meal at three in the afternoon and people didn't leave until 11 o'clock that night. And we literally sat around a table almost the entire time playing games, laughing, eating food, just having a great time. And although it wasn't family, it definitely filled that loneliness void. And just reaching out to other people who may be feeling lonely during this season might be the very thing that causes you to not feel lonely as you step out of your comfort zone. So I, I would encourage you with that. But then the last thing I would say is for those, Duncan, that are on the listening to the podcast and they're, <clears throat> they're not lonely, I think the awareness in your community that there are people this Christmas who need an invitation from you to be a part of whatever it is that you're doing that may not be a family member, but they're in your community and you know that they're isolated or they're not connected. Man, I think... What an incredible gift that you could give someone this Christmas just to invite them to come and sit at your table and to be with them during this season where they might feel a little bit isolated and alone. So you may not be feeling lonely, but you may be able to give the gift of a relationship this Christmas to somebody that is. I would encourage you to think about that.
0: That's so helpful. So practical. One last thing. And then I think our time is through. Um, how do you... It's so helpful this Jason, my mind is, is, is buzzing, but so how do you, have you, have you ever invited someone else into your um, Christmas soul care as it were your routines? Have you ever invited someone else to, you know, you're, you're trying to spend some great time with Jesus. Have you ever invited someone else to come and join you in that and, and to use Christmas as an opportunity to help people care for their souls?
1: Yeah. I actually think Duncan, The entire reason we celebrate Christmas, as we've already said, is the fact that God chose to come and be with us. And there are some tools, there are some things around this, what we refer to as the Advent season, candle lighting, special prayers, special readings. You even said lighting the candle on Christmas morning and just reading the Christmas story. For some people, that may be their only connection to God during this season. That, that neighbor that you invite over for Christmas lunch that doesn't go to church, or that relative that is part of the Christmas gathering that is not connected to God, there's an excuse almost and an acceptable, a society success, acceptable excuse that we have at Christmas time to be able to invite people into this incredible idea that God loved us so much that he came to earth because he wanted to be with us. He wanted to be in a relationship with us. So Duncan, I've found that this season is honestly one of the easiest seasons to invite other people into some of these experiences, like a reading or maybe a a candle lighting or some sort of story that you're able to share that talks about God wanting to be with us. And and the the reason why we celebrate, I think this is an ideal time to be able to do that for sure.
0: (laughs) We had it's brilliant. We, we had one uh, family in our church who lived in a five hundred year old manor house. Um, beautiful house, beautiful grounds, and they it was like a Christmas wonderland. They would deck it out with the most amazing decorations. You know, it had a gravel drive. It was a bit like an episode of Poirot. You know, or, <laughs> as you as you drove up, it was an amazing place. And they would host, all before Christmas, they would host Christmas drinks and Christmas readings. That's all they called it, Christmas drinks. So you would turn up, you would have, carol music was playing. Sometimes they even had a few carol singers on the driveway if the weather was okay and there would be sherry and wine and drinks going around and then at one point in the evening just for 5 minutes they would stop and someone would read the christmas story wow and uh, they invited the whole village you wow. know they'd do it over a variety of different evenings yep. and and invite them. And, and i think you're absolutely right it, there's a great christmas is a great opportunity to show that god who's with you is also with them in their yep. pain and so you know every time now she meets someone down in the post office or uh, you know, while she's out walking the dogs, she knows everybody because yeah. they all come around at Christmas for the story. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. Listen, you—you've made me feel very Christmasy today. Ah, good. You—you've pressed me closer to Jesus. It's as if it's as if in the last half an hour or so, you've held my hand and you said, "Duncan, come walk with me. Let's go spend some time with Jesus." And so I feel richer in my soul because of our conversation. And I am gonna, you know, forget the podcast. I am genuinely going to make some changes this Christmas so that I can spend time with the God who's with me. So thank you, Jason. You've done my soul good today.
1: Yeah. Likewise, Duncan. I always enjoy our times together. I feel like uh, just a couple of mates chatting about how to make Christmas even better this year than perhaps in the past and, and ultimately spending more time with our savior who we're celebrating. So thanks for all the questions, mate. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with Duncan and I as we talked soul care at Christmas time. I hope there were some helpful things for you as you go into this Christmas season and care for your soul. I want to really encourage you to be flexible, but don't abandon all the powerful rhythms, all the helpful practices that put you at the feet of Jesus, especially during this season when he so badly wants to be with us. That's the reason why he came That's the reason why we celebrate Christmas because it's the time when God came into the world because he wanted to be with us and he wants to be with us this Christmas. So I want to encourage you to make sure you plan to spend some time being with Jesus during this season. Hey, I also want to remind you that next episode, we're going to be talking with my good friend Sadara and we're talking all about the new year. We're going to be setting some ideas or some direction for the new year on who we want to become, not just what we think we need to get done. In fact, I want to help you to discover who it is that God wants you to become in the new year and for the rest of your life instead of focusing on what we so often do, the goals of what we want to get done. I believe that when we become the person that God wants us to become, Everything we need to do will flow from that. So I want to encourage you to check out the next couple of episodes where I have these powerful conversations with Sadara. And I also want to encourage you that if you would like help in creating your own life manifesto or your own life dashboard, you can reach out to me at Jason Perko Perkins on Instagram. Click the link in the bio and you can connect with me on the form there specifically about this life manifesto tool that'll be talked about on the next podcast. Well, listen, we're so grateful for your time. We love hearing from people that listen to the podcast and find these conversations helpful. So make sure you reach out to us and connect with us during the week. Also, we would love it if you would share these conversations with anybody that you think would find them helpful as well. The best way to do that is probably through your social media platform Or another helpful way to do it is to leave us a rating review on whatever platform you listen to this episode on. All of those things help us to get the word out about these powerful conversations to as many people as possible. Our dream here at the podcast is super simple. We want to see an entire generation of leaders reach their goals and at the same time hear them say, it is well with my soul. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you. I hope you have a wonderful time celebrating Christmas this year. I look forward to connecting with you online this week and next week as we dive into a great conversation about the new year with my friend Sadara. Until then, cheers.